just met someone and the conversation leads to the inevitable question. So, what do you do? A simple question calls for a simple answer. But what if your answer is never simple? What if your answer defies the societal norms? What does career happiness mean to you? This show dives into convention-breaking career choices, uncovering narratives of working professionals, and creating a space for those who wish to pursue their passions. This is So What Do You Do? Hey guys! Welcome to So What Do You Do? Today in the studio, we have JD, a.k.a. Super Smack. So, Super Smack, what do you do? Hey, how's it going? My name is Super Smack. You can call me Smack. <laughs> My friends also call me JD. And uh, I am a hip-hop artist, a rapper, a writer, and a product manager at a technology nonprofit. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, we, before we kind of get into the career journey, can you just tell us a little bit of background about yourself? Sure. So... I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, and I grew up and was raised in the suburbs of LA in Southern California. And I moved out to the East Coast for college. I went to Washington, DC. And then after that, I worked in technology and government and a mix of those things for a couple of years after college. Moved out to New York for my job, started dabbling more in dance and performing arts. And then after a few more years, decided to quit my job and pursue musical theater and did that for two more years and then liked that a lot. And during that time, also started writing and producing my own work mm -hmm. and then decided that that's actually what I wanted to focus on most. So now that's actually my primary uh, artistic project and outlet is writing and producing music for my hip hop act, which is Super Smack. I've really kind of gotten heavy into that this year. Been putting out singles and working on an album, got a couple music videos and working on another big music video that's coming out next month. Awesome. And then on the side, or I guess <laughs> concurrently with all of that, <laughs> I actually went back to uh, working for a technology nonprofit because part of my brain kind of missed that as well. So mm -hmm. this past year, 2018 in particular, has been really fun because I feel like I've kind of gotten a balance of getting kind of the best of both of these worlds. Mm -hmm. It's been really fun. It's nice that you're dabbling on both the sciences and the arts and still continuing it till your age now, which is awesome. Yeah. So what are three adjectives would describe yourself? Three adjectives. Ooh, it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say the first is curious. So like, I don't know, ever since I was a kid, I was always really interested in learning about things. And I would find myself like diving into these kind of like holes and caverns where I would just be like learning and absorbing as much information as possible. Yeah. I think my brain is kind of like constantly searching for the next thing to stimulate me. And that kind of leads me into, you know, not just like reading about things, but really going out into different like communities and subcultures and kind of like immersing myself in these things. That's so cool. Yeah. Do you have like a particular subculture or community that like was specifically interesting maybe or an experience that you had in one of them? Yeah. When I first moved out to New York, a big reason I moved out here was for the house dance culture. House dance is kind of like, for people who aren't familiar with it, I describe it like if um, break dancing took like a chill pill <laughs> and just like stretched out and kind of like smoothed out its uh, rough edges. So in DC, there was like a little bit of a culture, but there was like maybe one or two events a week that you could go to. 
when I came out here to New York, it was like every night of the week I was either going to a class or freestyling in a cipher or competing in a battle. And then like I competed in my first battle uh, about like six months after I moved here. And that was crazy because it was like an experience that I had only seen in movies growing up. Like I grew up in the suburbs. So like we didn't really have like a lot of like dance battles out there. Um, it was, I remember watching like You Got Served um, when I was like a kid. I thought they were in movies actually. I didn't even know they existed in no, real life. I know, right? No, it turns out they actually do. Um, and they're like kind of similar. It's like sort of the same thing. But it's just like it was super kind of underground for lack of a better word and the people were really supportive and it was it was yeah there was like there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of like publicity behind it it was just like a small room in a basement about 30 people it was halloween actually it was like a halloween themed like house battle so people were actually battling in costume which was which was really fun beautiful That's so cool. Yeah. Such a nice feeling to have a small community of people who love to do what you do. And it's pretty low-key as well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can it can be very... There's an aspect to it that's actually very high-key. Mm-hmm. There's, like, huge international festivals and battles. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the cool thing about New York is people come from all over the world to do, like, dance pilgrimages to this city. It's like a mecca for for street dance. And I just get to live here. And that's just like my Tuesday night or my Wednesday night. So um, it's a a really cool thing. That's one of the big reasons why I really like this city is it's really conducive to, I think, a brain like mine, which is like sort of schizophrenic and like always kind of like changing channels. But like when I change channels to a particular interest, I'll like invest fully in that interest for for that period of time. Gotcha. You have so many interests. And while we're talking about the performing arts aspect of your life, so you write and produce your own songs. And how did you get started in rapping? Yeah, so I got started in rapping through musical theater. Wow. Which sounds super weird (laughs) because they're, especially until, you know, more recent shows like Hamilton, Mm -hmm. people wouldn't normally associate theater with hip hop. So backing up, I have an older sister uh, who was actually on your show. Yes, uh, we love her. <laughs> yeah, Catherine, yeah, she's awesome. We're really close and uh, we grew up pretty close. And she's an amazing performer and has done a whole bunch of Broadway shows. So I've always been exposed to the theater world through her. Mm-hmm. But I was always like fairly certain. I was like, yeah, it's like that's that's her world. It's not mine. I like dance. I like street dance. And occasionally I, I like to sing, but especially the acting stuff, it, it isn't for me. But around 2015, I started this like seed just kind of like popped into my head and started growing that like, oh, what would it be like to actually try and go for a career in musical theater? Mm-hmm. And my dream, it was funny, like my dream during that moment was not to make it on Broadway or become like a huge superstar. I was just so curious to find out how good I was. It was like, if you ever get this feeling of like, you just want to test yourself against other people. Um, even if you find out that you're, you know, in the middle of the pack or behind the pack or at the front of the pack, like regardless of what that is, like measuring your, the act of like getting that measurement and getting that, those results back from that test is like, that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So once that seed started getting planted, I was like, I couldn't shake it. And so fast forward six months and I find myself resigning from my job, from a tech career that I had invested five years into, which I was actually really interested in during those five years, like I said, changing channels. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I, I got really into auditioning for musical theater. 
And so I was auditioning for all kinds of musical theater. The first audition I went to was for a professional production of West Side Story, which is like, you know, this like ballet, jazz, crazy, athletic, highly technical dancing Mm -hmm. and like traditional musical theater singing. Right. Right. So I was auditioning for that. I was auditioning for like more contemporary ish musical theater stuff as well. But the auditions that. I got early success in getting called back for and then eventually getting hired for were shows that were involving hip hop and rap. Mm. And I think that's because that was my background. I had a lot of like roots in like hip hop and house through dance, not through music and not through music making. And so I ended up in these musical theater shows that were involving hip hop. I was in a production of In the Heights, which was actually Lynn Manuel Miranda's first musical that he wrote before Hamilton. And yes. now it's being produced in different theaters around the country. This was a production at uh, Cocoa Village Playhouse in Florida. And so I was in Florida and I was in the show and I was loving it. I was getting to do hip hop dance. And there was, of course, rapping in the show and like lots of acting. And during rehearsals, I got an idea to write a basically remixed version of one of the songs in the show. So one of the most famous is called 96,000. And it's where everyone in the cast, and I took the concept of that song and rewrote it to a beat, to an instrumental track from one of the songs from Hamilton, actually. So I took these two Lin-Manuel Miranda songs, took the concept of one and applied it to the track and the music from another song from these two different shows. And I rewrote basically a musical theater piece with like four characters from the show. They all had their own kind of like rapping styles. And uh, I got people in my cast to perform it. We, f- we shot a little like guerrilla style music video for it. Mm-hmm. That was how I accidentally ended up writing my first rap song was actually like it was a theatrical piece. It wasn't super smack like I, that was not even on my brain at the time. And I wasn't rapping as me. I was rapping as these characters. And I think that was a lot easier for me to get into at the time because I was always really interested in these like stories and like kind of daydreaming and like playing pretend. That's how I wrote my first song. And then from there, I kind of like realized that I actually really liked just writing rap and songwriting Mm -hmm. um, itself. And so that piece kind of stuck, but it was like this weird accident through like this combination of like all of these other things that I had been kind of stockpiling in terms of my interests at the time. Wow. That's so cool. What we a great... love happy accidents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a great opportunity to be remaking songs for two iconic musicals. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Fun. Speaking on the way you kind of write rap songs and songs in general, there's probably a lot of intentionality that goes behind them. But I was just curious to know like what that process looks like for you now. What type of content or story do you want to be telling? Yeah. With your music? Yeah. So after I did that song, I wrote a few more pieces, and most of them were theatrical. I was writing, but from the perspective of this character in this story. And that was really fun. It was really it was a really good way for me to kind of hone my skills as a writer, because that was very comfortable for me. But after a couple years, now this was around like 2017, I started feeling like, like I was kind of hitting a plateau as a writer, and I, I wanted to kind of branch into something new. And the thing that I accessed, a good you know, piece of advice that you know, people tell me is a very common piece of advice to tell writers is write what you know, write from your own experience. And I realized that like, while writing four characters was really fun, I wrote a piece that was based in the Star Wars universe where mm-hmm. I had like a rapping version of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader and, and Padme Amidala. And that was really fun. I got a lot of like success. A lot of people saw it and really liked it. And I was very proud of it. But I think 
in a way, if I continued down that path, I felt like I would start to use these characters as kind of like a shield between me and what I actually wanted to say or needed to say. So around that time, I started thinking, what would it be like if I actually wrote from my own perspective, whereas like I was the character and all of a sudden it was like this is like super vulnerable place <laughs> that was like gave me a lot of anxiety to think about and i i kind of shared that with a friend and she was like yeah that anxiety means it's probably the thing that you actually need to do it's like the most important thing that you actually need to need to say and need to share and uh i took that advice to heart and uh so i started thinking about writing as myself and i had at the time uh, when I played video games, Smack was my nickname. Uh, it was like my handle online. And uh, so I started playing with that. I didn't even tell anybody, but I remember I wrote like a draft on my computer and just like a homework assignment. You put like the title at the top and then you put like who it's by. You put your name. <laughs> yeah. But instead of like Wandrigo Rickafort, I wrote Super Smack. And I wrote the song. And the song came out like very smoothly and it was actually like easier to write that song mm -hmm. than if it was like using my own name and if it, it just felt right. And so at that point I was like, okay, this is the thing. This is, this is the next thing. So in terms of like my process from there, what I started out doing was starting out with song ideas and then trying to find music to match that. But what I've done over the last, I would say like six to eight months is really flip that which is I think what most rappers do is actually starting with a beat, starting with an instrumental and then writing to that music and writing that beat like as if it was a wave. And so I think taking that approach to like my relationship to music and to instrumentals and to beats was really key. Mm -hmm. So right now when I'm looking for beats, I'm looking for beats within a particular theme because I know that's kind of what I want to express in my next album or in my next music video. Wow, that's so interesting to see how you produce a song from, you know, your concept to producing the actual final product in the end. And I just want to say, like, putting yourself out there and being vulnerable, it is nerve-wracking. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad that you went over that, and then now you're producing all these amazing songs about other things that you're passionate about, too. I'm curious, what are your other musical influences? There's a whole bunch within hip-hop in particular. Mm -hmm. There's a few artists who uh, I really like who, who really inspire me. Um, when I was first getting into hip hop writing, kind of similarly to m my relationship with all these other interests and subcultures, I like researched and listened to as much hip hop as I could because I, I felt like I needed to kind of catch up to like everything that I had missed, you know, over the last you know X amount of years. I was just taking in all of these styles at the same time, which is weird. I think most people who are into hip hop, they were consuming these songs when they were still contemporary. But for me, the first time I listened to, really listened to a whole Nas album or a whole Jay-Z album end to end was in like 2015, which is crazy because um, most people have, have like grew up with these things. For me, it was actually nice for me because I, I felt like it allowed me to kind of process all of these things at the same time and then have them marinate together in this like stew mm -hmm. and then kind of like pick out what what is inspiring to me. Particular artists who, who are inspirations are first and like probably most well known from this list is is uh is Chance the Rapper. Yeah. Yeah, he's so good. Freaking so amazing. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his he's actually his his flow and his delivery are really like my my flow and my delivery is really really different. So I don't try and sound like Chance when I when I rap or when I write, but the thing that I really like and that I kind of take and 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 st try and steal and emulate from Chance is just the sheer joy 
that he brings mm. to his music making. I agree, yeah. And I, I love that sense of like hope. And mm. he has a he has like a fierceness and a ferocity. And so I really like I like that that kind of spirit and that like ethos mm-hmm. of of um songwriting okay. and the message. And then two others are David Diggs, who is actually uh, someone who I got to have mentor me for for a little bit. I did this uh, writing program at the Public Theater uh, right across the street um, that David and his longtime collaborator, uh, Rafael Casal, produced. I actually applied by submitting that In the Heights song that I was telling you about. And they accepted. And that's kind of like, for me, it was a big moment because it was like an invitation to like participate in hip hop as a creator. So the thing that that is amazing about David that that I learned from a lot is just the sheer technicality and unpredictability of his writing and his Mm -hmm. flow his lyrics are so dense but they're not dense just to be dense they're dense and they they carry so much weight and imagery he does a lot of solo rap music he's also in this experimental hip-hop band called clipping and clipping songs they never refer to themselves in the first person like he never says i or me or my in any of his lyrics which if you think about hip-hop is like crazy it's like Mm -hmm. what do you how do you write hip-hop songs without doing that and i just think that that's such a that's such a cool creative constraint it's one of the things that allows their music to be so different so i really like that technicality and then the last he's well known in like the indie hip-hop scene but not as much in like pop kind of like pop culture and pop music. Uh, his name is Homeboy Sandman. Uh, he's a Puerto Rican rapper out of Queens. He's also very technical. He has a lot of humor in his writing and he has a lot of versatility in the types of beats that he'll like to use. This one song, I think it's called Big Band Theory. And it's to this like, this sample of this like old jazz track, but the music is in like 5-4 or something like some weird measure, like, like time signature like that. Whereas like all hip hop is typically like one, two, three, four, one, two. This one's like one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two. And I couldn't believe when I heard that, I couldn't believe that like I was listening to someone rap over that. So yeah, I would say like mm-hmm. the spirit and the joy of chance, the technicality of David and the versatility and the humor of Homeboy Sandman. Those are the things that I aspire to and kind of draw draw energy from such a wide range of musicality and also yeah. Davy Diggs was in the original cast of Hamilton and yes you yeah. heard that song that you wrote for <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hamilton yeah. and in the Heights yeah that was like a little <laughs> it was a little nervous to submit like this remix to the song that he helped originate yeah. and have no idea how it would be received it turned out yeah. amazing yeah, <laughs> apparently. yeah apparently uh that was really lucky. So, oh yeah, that was cool. Talking a little more about like hip hop and RB, there's a you know pretty big upward trends toward it. It's actually like pretty much the number one genre worldwide yeah. at the moment. It can it be daunting going into you know that industry and specifically that genre just because it is so large, widespread, international. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've never actually thought about it that way. I think one of the reasons why it's not, I don't feel like it's daunting. I mean, I, I think anything's anything's daunting when you're writing and producing your own stuff. I think that's what makes it the content of what you're putting out there to me is what makes it feel daunting, not necessarily the form or the, or the, or the genre. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about hip hop as a genre is it's just grown and it's as it's grown in popularity, it's also morphed a lot. It's like 2018, right? So like so many lines are getting blurred across labels and genres. And that's just kind of what we do now. And I think it's a, Generally, it's a pretty positive thing for music. There's all these like kind of like sub 
cultures within hip hop now that have been created and that have kind of like spawned up. So I think it's it's a little crazy to navigate and it feels that part feels daunting sometimes um, to like find my place within this larger whole. But it is nice that that there are pockets of of places within the genre that I feel like my my music can can exist and have a place. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think within the form itself of the rap industry, there are some misconceptions that people hold? Sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like with any industry, people who exist outside of it will have probably like an outdated kind of like reductive conception of what it is. With hip hop and rap, I think a lot of it is like, yeah, it's like because of so much of hip hop is about at least traditionally has been about a certain kind of culture and lifestyle. People associate those things with the music Mm -hmm. and that's a huge part of it. And it's a part that I think you have to both like acknowledge and respect and learn from, if not participate in. When I tell people I'm a rapper, they'll either say it or I can tell that they're thinking it. They'll be like, well, you don't look like a rapper. (laughs) Um, If you look at a lot of big rappers now, they don't even really look like rappers. (laughs) Like people are like, like kind of subverting and twisting off the genre left and right, whether that's through their image or their style or their race. Mm -hmm. I mean, Chance the Rapper, a lot of his music is actually like, it's it's sung on a pitch. Mm-hmm. So he's like, technically he's singing. Whereas like rap is like traditionally, it doesn't ha- it's not driven by the pitch as much. It's not as melodic. Chance's music and the way he delivers his, his rap is so melodic. He's literally called Chance the Rapper. So what are you gonna do? Tell Chance the Rapper that he doesn't sound like a rapper? <laughs> you know, like, um, so and he's one of like the, the great hip hop acts of like this day and age. So mm-hmm. I think that sort of thing is, is kind of allows space to kind of like experiment and do things differently. And it's also fun when people tell me I don't look like a rapper. I don't know. That gives me that gives me more inspiration and fire to work with when I'm writing my next piece. Uh, yeah. cuz it's like, well, let me show let me show you what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Prove them wrong. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, actually feeding off of that, I know because the genre is so ingrained into the culture, is it hard for you when you're writing things? Is there a fine line that you have to tread in terms of like topics you feel are off topic or yeah. that you can't touch? Totally. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a really good question. It's one that, that like, you know, always, like, asking myself and wrestling with. Like, particularly, like, as an Asian American, coming into an art form that was originated and popularized by traditionally African American and Latino communities, particularly here in, in New York City. Mm-hmm. So I think every time you engage with something, especially with something where the roots are so important, you have to engage with the, that history and that cultural context, and you have to do it in a way that's honest. I'm sure like the hip-hop acts, when hip-hop first moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, had to do the same thing. How do you take this thing that's so New York and make it L.A., you know, mm-hmm. or make it Bay Area, right? How do you take this thing that's traditionally from African-American, Latino communities and express it in a way that is honest to, you know, my Asian American identity, but in a way that still respects that. So it definitely is a balancing act. I write about the things that are important to me. And when I even try or when I find myself accidentally venturing into writing according to some trope or according to what I think like a rap song should sound like, it's just not good. It's just like, it's just not quality work. And so if I want to do quality stuff and want to do good, want to make good music, I have to write from a place that's honest. And that doesn't mean like drawing a box around yourself because I don't think that that's like a useful paradigm or whatever uh, creatively, but it's just like making sure that like everything you do is like fueled by that honesty. 
That's really interesting. And also, yeah. you integrated it really well in your song Crazy Rich Freestyle. Yeah. Which was a <laughs> yeah. rap anthem about Crazy Rich Asians, the movie, and how you talk about representation of Asians or Asian Americans in Hollywood. Yeah. And I was just wondering, what drove you to write about that? Yeah. First was start going back to the music. I don't know if you... Did you see the movie? Yeah, yes. just, yeah. Like the the movie, I thought the movie was great. Mm-hmm. One of the things that surprised me is the music is actually really good. Yeah. Like there's a lot of good music in mm-hmm. that on that soundtrack, and the score is actually it's got this like big brassy jazzy mm-hmm. thing. That, like, and and uh, so I I don't know that music just like I was just vibing to that I after I saw that. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, it was so cool to see a movie with Asian Americans in it, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, when I saw Crazy Rich Asians, I saw it across the street at Union Square, <laughs> and the previews were done and the movie was about to start and then all the lights came on and we're like what's going on it's like some technical difficulty and in walks like half the cast of the movie including aquafina who's like another hero of mine yeah (laughs) um and uh, they were just yeah she's she's a boss um also uh, also reps queens all the time which i which i like as a resident of queens now Mm. um and they just like talked to us for like five minutes and just thanked everybody for coming out and participating and supporting. Oh. And I think it's really cool to not just applaud when there are awesome things being done by Asian Americans, but to support them and to also like, in, like I said, engage with them. So that song was my way of processing the feelings that I felt after seeing that movie mm-hmm. and sharing them with people in a way that was like another mentor of mine, Rafael Casal, he talks about like, if you... I'm heavily paraphrasing here, but it's like, if you've got a message and you want people to hear it and listen to it where otherwise they might not listen to it, like make it bounce, Mm -hmm. like make it sound good and people will listen. So with that Crazy Rich Freestyle, I got to say things that I would have loved to have said in conversation, but maybe even I couldn't really articulate. But now that there's a beat to it, now that there's this jazzy vibe to it, and it's a challenge to my that I can issue to myself to like, how do I write a song to this big band jazz track? I've like coupled this challenge with, this these like unprocessed feelings and then I can kind of like sort them all out and end up with something that yeah I get to say exactly what I felt after I wrote it I was like oh yeah that is how I feel and I didn't even I didn't like have an outline before I was like through the process of writing so it was a it was as much I wrote that song as much for me as for anybody else I, I really liked how it came out and and people liked it so that was pretty cool Wow, letting the feelings flow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also in the rap industry, I didn't really get much into it until... So I come from Indonesia and I heard about Rich Brian, yeah. who's also an Asian, yeah. um, and he's in the rap industry as well. I was just curious, in an industry that doesn't really have much representation, do you think it's hard for you to navigate through that or d- does it push you to become even greater and to be more acknowledged in that industry? I think it's both. Yeah. It's challenging for all the reasons why I think you'd expect it to be. It's hard um, when you're underrepresented, like grossly underrepresented, Mm. and um, people want to put you in a box. The thing with Asian Americans in rap is like, not to get into like a whole history lesson, like we've actually been doing it for a while. There've been like, especially like rap acts like Dumbfounded and Ruby Ibarra and Bamboo. I've been around for a while. I've been making great music um, and finding these like niche audiences. Now what we're seeing over the last two, I would say really two years, is this like new wave of like Asian American artists um, who are kind of popping out, like seemingly out of nowhere and doing really well. You have Rich Brian. Rich Brian is part of this like kind of like collective label mm-hmm. um, called um, 88, 88 Rising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, they've got a whole thing going and they've got this whole like crossover thing between like Asian Americans and like Asians in Asia. That's impressive. 
Um, you have Aquafina rocketing as uh, a hip hop artist and as an actress. G Yamazawa, who's this Japanese American rapper, who's who's coming out with some really great stuff. But they're all so different. Mm. And I was like, on like one of G Yamazawa's songs, he like makes fun of the fact that like people always tell him that like he should do a song with Aquafina. It's like it could be a cool idea if he's into it and if she's into it. But it's like. Just the fact that they're both happen to be Asian doesn't mean that like their music is the same or like that yeah. like it all has to be under this same umbrella, right? So I think it's like this weird kind of like like two sided coin. It's like it's really cool to have that representation and that collective identity, but like I mean we all want well like well like every group wants we want to be accepted as normal in the community so that we can then prove ourselves to be exceptional based on the things that actually make us exceptional based on our message and our stories and our technique and our skills and our hustle and our work, right? Not because of our race. Mm -hmm. Like that shouldn't be the sole reason why, why we're exceptional. Yeah. It's also, I mean, the flip side of all that is because there's less Asians in, in the scene. I think it's an interesting moment where there's almost this, like, it almost feels like a call to action to like jump in and dive in and rep and start really join the movement <laughs> to, to represent. I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. What would you define as career happiness and how do you think you found that in kind of your mix of switching channels and yeah. like moving into this new industry, but also realizing that, you know, there's so many more future prospects for you as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a challenge. It's something that I'm still still working through. Um, I've gotten more comfortable over the last five years in like switching channels this past year has been the first year where I feel like I've been on like two channels simultaneously. Um, and it's been hard. It's also been really nice because balance is a thing that like, I feel like everyone's constantly searching for. And I feel like I have a, a good balance right now of just like interests and like using different sides of my brain and things that make me happy. So I think looking for that balance and searching for it and like kind of experimenting until you, you find it and being open to experimenting and shaking things up is like, is a is a big piece of that do you have any advice you would like to tell people who may be unfulfilled or unhappy with their jobs currently yeah it's a good question i think like in terms of like really practical advice or like actionable advice one thing that's been really helpful to me is just keeping a diary mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be like written in a notebook it can be or it can be like on your phone or whatever just like writing free form and reflecting that the process of reflecting allows you to get gather feedback when you try out different things you can be like oh i tried this i liked this part of it i didn't like this part of it and then you can learn from that and kind of tweak from there but you can't have that learning process if i think you can't really have that learning process if you're not writing it down somewhere Mm. and taking a look at it and revisiting it a diary is a good way of like iterating on yourself Mm. yeah so that's one piece and then the other is just like yeah gearing up for some like cognitive dissonance if you're looking to try to kind of change things up you need to start conditioning your brain to like work through different things like i was in i was in uh florida a couple weeks ago for this conference i went actually my sister was performing there she was performing as the entertainer for this business conference Mm -hmm. and i was going for the business experience so i was like going and kind of like representing my tech company and i was like in this panel where we were talking about technology and mobile apps and augmented reality to help educate people for natural disaster preparedness mm. and i was in this panel <laughs> and then like i get this text or this message that basically that the organizer of the conference um had heard that i was also a performer 
had an opening for me to perform later that day. So I went, like, straight from this panel <laughs> into, like, super smack mode, where I was wow. then, like, rapping for the same people, plus, like, a thousand more people in the room mm -hmm. that I was just in that panel with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, like, so, switching channels. Yeah, <laughs> like, really rag fast. at the moment. Yeah, and it was, like, a huge... So, so just, like, getting used to... I think if you want to make a change, sometimes it can actually be useful to, like, trying to mix things together simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Getting your brain conditioned to like, operating on different wavelengths. It's so, like talking to different kinds of people builds that versatility. That's been something that, that I'm I'm still working on, but it's been really helpful for me to, to think about it like that. Well, yeah, that's so inspiring. And yeah. I think the versatility is so important for humans. Like, I think it's really crucial to build on this stimuli to always be active and to engage in things that you might not expect you'd be interested in because I feel like it pushes you forward to become greater because you learn all of these lessons from varying aspects of your life. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, one day maybe we can all make a hip-hop song that combines theatricality <laughs> and, and storytelling yeah. and every other genre. Maybe. That would be, that would be a dream. <laughs> Speaking of switching gears, going back to Super Smack, yeah. do you have any upcoming projects that you would like to share? Yeah, so um, mm -hmm. the one I was just talking talking about I'm working on a concept album called Fan Fiction mm -hmm. um, that's going to be a set of rap songs set to video game music and it's different than a lot of what there's a subgenre of hip-hop and music um, called nerdcore rapping which is like yeah people who like write songs about video games and comics and that sort of thing and that's really cool I'm definitely getting inspiration from that but what I feel like I'm trying at least trying to do differently here is like my songs are not about the Legend of Zelda. It isn't necessarily about Mario. It isn't necessarily about Sonic the Hedgehog, but it uses those symbols. It like leverages those those symbols and those ideas to actually tell a story and a message that I feel like is really personal to me. And I think hopefully pretty popularly accessible as well, because um, they've all got a good beat to them that people can can vibe to. And the reason I I went with that is because so many great rappers write about where they're from. For me, I grew up in the suburbs. And while I liked the town where I grew up in, I don't really have a strong bond to it. I don't think it really shaped me. But I grew up reading comic books and watching cartoons and playing video games and living in these like fictional, fantastical worlds. Mm -hmm. So like this album is kind of like my love letter to the neighborhood that I grew up in. So exciting. Amazing. If you want to give a little bit of a teaser for Choose. Yeah, or... sure. It's inspired by this video game called Super Smash Brothers. And you get to choose your fighter. Mm -hmm. um, at the beginning of the game, and then that's the character that you play as. I thought of that as a great kind of backdrop for talking about my life and my experience where I feel like I've, I'm constantly kind of experimenting and changing the the character who I am um, and how I feel it's like a really positive experience. In this verse, I talk about players as like video game players, but it's also a little bit kind of like a, a, a double entendre or play off of like the way like players and player haters <laughs> i like talked about it like like what people would normally think about as like the hip-hop lexicon so i thought it was a kind of fun way to like both participate on on that in that but also like comment on it in a way that's like authentic to me so yeah i can drop a verse from from that yay um and this will just be acapella 
Roll it in, last stage of the game. About time the real players bust out the mains. I am the super secret weapon hitting light of the day. My name S to the M to the ACK. I rock HP, MP, charisma, dexterity, enough integrity to outlast your celebrity. And my chi powered by the belief. I'm the chief with the voice. It's my choice who I'm gonna be. Here in the jungle, I be whoever I want to. Like I'm choosing my fighter from the select. Come through, join the fray, let's melee. Sock, hop on, nay, nay. I got room for new challenges. Challenge yourself to choose. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks for indulging me. <laughs> that was really fun. And thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Super Snack, for just sitting down and sharing your story. Welcome to The Debrief, where we discuss our own perspectives on the interview and apply some of our own experiences and background to the conversation. Wow, JD is incredible, isn't he? It was so great. I love their little rap at the end. Like, that yeah. just made my day. So, yeah, I guess we can kind of talk about what our conceptions were before the interview, after, any takeaways we had. Right. One thing that came into mind was the way he mentions that he has the ability to switch channels. I thought that this resonated with you, too. She's, like, pointing at me like, yep. <laughs> yes, yes. Because <laughs> I used to think that you should only train yourself to be a master in one specific avenue because having too many interests can cause you to, you know, spread yourself too thin. And from this, it was so cool how he got to write a song for In the Heights and put his own spin to it. Because I think being flexible in all of these varying performing arts paths like musical theater and rap, it made him even more competent as an artist to create new works. He also reminded us that balance is the most important part because juggling between all these channels can definitely be overwhelming. I think that's so true. And I think when when he was talking, I was like, but there has to be a balance. Because like you were saying, like a lot of the time you focus on one thing, you become, you know, the master in that thing. You're you know, the top of your class for that specific industry, that specific job. But when he was talking about changing channels and like dipping your toe into everything, that's like, I feel like secretly what we all want. We mm. all want that type of liberation and freedom to know a little bit of everything. And I think that resonates with me so well. And I, I think in the interview also, when I was yeah. talking with him, I, I, I mentioned it, but I think the core thing of what he said was you need to have a core channel. Mm. You need to have a channel that you always come back to as like a framework for how you see any other channel that you decide to venture into. And I think that's similar to what you were saying about the musical theater, because he knew that musical theater was more of a channel that he used to look mm -hmm. through to find something else. Or, yeah. you know, maybe if you have a passion and this is definitely the thing for you, you can venture into other things, but something will always bring you back to that core, to that uh, thing that you can't get away from. And I think that's so comforting for me because that means that I can go out and I can try different and new and interesting things but that doesn't mean I lose who I am mm. or that I'm you know somehow giving up on some sort of original dream or passion that I had yeah exactly and with all of this it's so interesting the way he dives into all of these avenues because when he does it his main objective is to benchmark himself with other people in order to be able to improve and become a jack-of-all-trades and become the best version of himself in every aspect possible you know as good as everybody else in the specific industry that he wants to go in it's so relatable because i sort of see myself in jd as well because i always tell this to people how like i can't sit still i always need to have a project that i'm doing and you know relaxing once in a while is nice but i love being productive and working 
and I just like the way he mentioned how th his ability to switch channels stemmed from his curiosity in trying all of these different aspects of his career journey. Really goes to show that when you see something that you want to do, it's almost like you ask yourself, like, why don't I just do it? Yeah. He seems like very much a person who, like, goes for what uh, he's interested in, and I really respect that, mm. and I, I feel like the whole thing you are talking about before of how, like, self-improvement, that there's some sort of, like, intrinsic inside motivation for you to, like, have a drive to continue and to get better and to just even enter into maybe a space that you're not as comfortable with. Just going back to the music industry aspect, I love how he mentioned that he's able to take influences from different types of cultures, but also respecting them and integrating them in a way where it serves the purpose of treating each culture with the amount of dignity that they deserve and also i think the evolution of the music industry nowadays where the there's a blurred line between labels and artistry i think the way he mentioned this also implies the fact that anybody even if you're just sitting at home writing a song you can go and receive thousands of grammys there's nobody telling you that you can't yeah i think it's so cool that you could be so like into two industries is my I guess a misconception I might have had and I think I mentioned this for Catherine as well like it's so hard to do two things well mm. for me at least like if I'm not doing one thing I barely I probably barely do one thing well so like to do two things no. well at the same time it seems unfathomable and it's just so hard but it just goes to show the dedication and determination of you know both Rick and Ford. yeah no you're amazing Joanna <laughs> If you want to find out more about Supersmack, check out his Instagram at supersmackraps or on his website, supersmackraps.com. Supersmack will also be releasing his new music video in March and performing at South by Southwest in March as well, so make sure to check that out. Also, be sure to check out his awesome music on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, and SoundCloud. If you want to find out more about this program or listen to previous episodes, check us out on Spotify or SoundCloud at So What Do You Do or on our Instagram at SWDYD Podcast. If you want to get to know us more, follow us on Instagram at Arnau Ariana and at It's Just Joanna. Thank you so much for tuning in to So What Do You Do? I'm Joanna Yamakami. And I'm Arnau Ariana. Join us again next week for another episode. Bye, guys. Bye.